Welcome to the Arrive and Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Tyson Day, alongside Daniel Anardi. In our podcast, we interview guests that bring a fresh perspective on topics that are vital for you to thrive in your life and career. Our approach is casual and always curious. Through our guest insights and our debriefs, we hope to help you develop a career full of purpose and meaning. Kate McCready is the founder at Leading Beings, specializing in personal and professional coaching and Vedic meditation for mindful living and meaningful work. In this episode, we speak to her about the importance of reflection, meditation practice, and coaching to release human potential. Kate sheds further light on the importance of understanding your values and leaning into your emotions instead of compressing or pushing them away. We both found Kate's insights informative, useful, and appropriate for the current challenges our local, national, and global community face. We hope you enjoy the episode. Kate McCready, welcome to the Arrive and Thrive podcast. Thanks for coming in this evening. Thanks so much for having me. Ty and I are really excited to have you on the show tonight. Um, For our listeners at home, do you want to give us an introduction into what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, I am a coach and Vedic meditation teacher. Uh, and I work with people in a really holistic way, um, looking at their, their work, their life, their leadership, their businesses, and try and really work with them on how they can kind of level up from the inside out, taking a really holistic approach that includes like the mental side, the emotional side, the physical side, and, and the spiritual side as well, um, and kind of brings all that together. I'm a real believer in the fact that, you know, we're we're not separate humans in our work and our life. And um, the more that we can bring kind of all of ourselves to what we do, the, the more successful we're going to be, um, the happier we're going to be, the more productive we're going to be. So, yeah, um, love helping people kind of step it up in, in their careers, in their businesses, um, and, and also do work that's really meaningful um, and live really mindfully. What are the big challenges around blending all of that together? Because yeah, it is a lot like totally, spirituality, yeah. work, yeah. life, personal relationships. Mm. So how do you sort of coach people through that? Yeah, I, I think it starts off for me with um, helping people realise what they actually want. Um, because I think we we get really caught up in all the the different societal expectations, parental expectations, um, and, you know, maybe school expectations, things that have kind of come to us about from every angle about who we should be in the world and, and how we should show up and what success looks like. Um, but it, it takes a lot for someone to strip that all away and actually get really clear with themselves on, on what's important, what they, they really truly want, what is right for them. Um, so a lot of the work I do starts there. It's, it's about kind of getting people to tune into that and and create a vision for themselves that is true to them, um, you know, and true true to their their wants and desires, but also true to their strengths, true to who they are as a person, um, and aligning with them to kind of their unique sense of self in the world. I, I start there because often um, what I I notice with people is that. They, they don't let themselves believe what they want and they kind of get caught up in trying to um, move forward with, with something that, that isn't really true to who they are. When, when you do that, you end up kind of in a direction that's it, it's never going to get you where you want to go. That's yeah. super cool, Kate. Sorry, sorry, Danny. Can you just explain 
what is Vedic meditation? Because I tried to do a Google uh, before <laughs> yep. the session and I, I couldn't find too much. And I'd love to hear it from you because as uh, someone who's just got into meditation uh, myself, mm. I yeah, am super curious around what's out there and would love to hear what, what Vedic is from your perspective. Yeah, sure. So Vedic meditation is a really simple, effortless mantra-based practice, um, which you practice 20 minutes twice a day. That's the, well, that's what you should be practicing, 20 minutes twice a day. Um, and it's taught in person by, by a teacher uh, and everybody, when they're taught, they get a mantra from their teacher, which is um, somewhat personalised, um, kind of based on, on life stage. Quite different from a lot of the techniques that you see out there. Um, you can kind of roughly put meditation into three overarching buckets. Uh, one is focused attention techniques, which are where the idea is that you hold a really steady focus on something um, and when your attention drifts, you try to pull it back to that, that thing. It could be, could be a mantra, it could be breath, it could be um, some kind of sound, it could be a candle could be anything then you've got open monitoring or open awareness techniques and those techniques are where you kind of might uh, sit as a passive observer of your thoughts watch your thoughts go by it might be where you scan through your body you uh, make your awareness go out to different sounds or sensations so that that awareness is moving that's the second type and the third type is effortless transcendence or um, effortless self-transcendence so that is where um, Vedic meditation fits in as well as transcendental meditation. Um, and it's different again in that you use a mantra, but unlike the focused attention techniques, you're not holding a really like uh, a really tight grip on the mantra. You Part of the practice is about actually letting the mantra go and drifting mm -hmm. down into a transcendent state, which is a false status consciousness, which isn't sleeping, dreaming or awake consciousness. Um, and yeah, it's really lovely because it's it's super easy. You do it sitting up, um, and and the mantra's got a, a really unique quality to it, which is really charming to the mind. So it helps you go into that that state of meditation. Um, also, I think one of the really important things with Vedic meditation is that thoughts are a part of the meditation, and we actually teach people what thoughts mean in meditation, how to kind of uh, relate to your thoughts in meditation that, you know, thoughts aren't something to be gotten rid of or, or stopped, which I think is one of the common misconceptions with, with meditation and why a lot of people say they can't do it because I often hear that thing, oh, I couldn't meditate because I just couldn't stop my thoughts or I just couldn't quiet my mind. And actually that's not what we're trying to do in Vedic. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. Thanks for the definition. Really fascinated around the different types of meditation out there and how they work for, for certain people. Sorry to jump in there, Danny. I just had to <laughs> clarify that. I know you get excited. I know you get excited about meditation now. So it's I get cool. I get excited about it too. And it's like I, it's interesting though. Like I think um, one of the important things with meditation for me is that it's about finding the right one for you. And I always kind of say to people like if if you've had if you've struggled with one technique and you haven't been able to make it stick. Um, yeah, it could be worth trying one of the other styles because it might be that you just haven't found the one that's that's been the right one for you. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Ty's taking notes for those I who am. can't uh, see at home. <laughs> Ty's taking notes. Good on you. <laughs> um, Kate, I'm always fascinated by people that are working, you know, human potential coaching, career mm. coaching, leadership coaching, especially with lots of experience like yourself. For our listeners, how did you get to this point? And when you talked about the spiritual, personal, physical mm -hmm. and mental things that you need to all bring together, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how 
you slowly sort of, I guess, brought all those things together to put yourself in a position where you can now coach others? Yeah, um, I'll try and do the abridged version because it's really, really long. <laughs> um, I, I've been, so the, the short version is I, I studied theatre, I didn't want to do that, I worked in call centres, I lived for a year in Japan teaching English, I came back, I studied business entrepreneurship, I went into innovation, I worked in innovation for a while, then I ended up working in design and human-centred design and took a lot of that experience in designing and working with people and started to kind of develop learning experiences. Then I started coaching somewhere in the middle there. And I suppose just over a, a period of time, I, I developed a lot of experience in working with large organisations, working with small organisations, um, working one-on-one -on -one with people. But a lot of, like the thread through everything for me has always really been people and um, understanding people, trying to work out um, what makes people tick and particularly trying to help people have an understanding of themselves, um, really looking at what's important. Um, and, you know, from a strengths perspective, I'm really passionate about strengths in, in coaching and in just life in general. And a, a strength of mine is the kind of strategic skill set, which, you know, a lot of people think about strategy as kind of, in a, you know, a work and a business sense, but, you know, strategy is very much for me about taking disparate pieces of information and things that don't feel like they fit together and finding the threads and bringing them together. So I think a lot of my work has been about doing that. And so that's kind of come together to I think provide me with a really solid skill set with, with coaching. Um, and also I think just kind of the, like being empathetic and being able to connect with people um, I'm pretty warm, I'm pretty open and I've always really been of the belief that if you want people to open up and share with you so that you can understand them, you've got to give something of yourself. And um, I've probably given myself a little bit too easily in terms of opening up to people. It's like, if you're a random stranger, ask me my life story, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> we'll get into a DNM about it. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's kind of, it's partially that, that experience that I've had in my work, but it's also just that kind of stuff that's more innate to who I am. And, um, you know, I've probably got my parents to thank for that. They'll, uh, they'll also talk your head off if you, if you get in a conversation with them. So. <laughs> One thing I have noticed as well, Kate, like looking at your um, LinkedIn and your website, like your values really shine through in the way you mm. communicate and market your mm. brand. Um, and I had a, I jotted them down. I think it was be the real you, um, be human, authentic, um, conscious, creative, and adventurous. How do your values drive what you do, like day to day? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they're just baked in, so they they kind of drive everything. Like the one that you mentioned first, it's real me, real you, um, and that's. That's kind of like what I was saying a bit. It's like if I can show up as my real self and you can see that that's how I'm showing up, then that allows you to do that as well. Um, and a huge part of my coaching is about that. It's about, about people, people finding that truth in themselves about what, what they really want to be doing so, and, and how they want to be showing up. So if, if I don't do that, then it means that they, you know, what does it mean if I can't do it, if I'm telling them to do it? So, so that's huge for me. Be your best human, I think is, is one of the other ones, um, which is on my website. And, and that's really just about like in, in all aspects of what we do, trying to show up as our best selves. And 
So that means, you know, being kind. It means being conscious. It means, um, you know, constantly learning and growing. Um, I think, you know, the best version of ourselves, you know, it's the best version of us yesterday isn't necessarily the best version of us today because we're always having new experiences. We're always learning new things. And so we have to constantly be moving the needle on what best looks like for us. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it's incredibly important values. Um, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of talk about values in, mm. in organizations and with people. Um, and it's always been one of my pet peeves when particularly companies have stated values that they don't actually live. Um, and I've worked in organizations where I felt that that was the case. So, um, yeah, that's that's always been something I'm really passionate about. Um, it's interesting, though, um, because I think um, in coaching, you know, we, we often work with people and their values. And I, I've had scenarios where I've been coached and people will reflect a value of mine back to me that they've seen in, in coaching. And I, I will be like, oh, that's really interesting. I, I'd never thought of that as a value, but you're probably right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's there's a difference between as well the values that we we feel deep in our hearts and then the values that people see us representing and it's also and, and they can be different because people don't see like right right into us all the time they see maybe what what happens on the outside and that's not to say that you're not showing up authentically in your values but people interpret things differently as well um but I think as long as you're um, feeling grounded in what you do, then then that's what matters. And I think we know when we're living out of alignment with our values, it's that feeling of something not not feeling right. And I like I had a big um, big aha when I was um, working in corporate a number of years ago, and I actually ended up in hospital with blood clots, um, and. For me, that was a real wake-up call. It kind of gives you that sense of your own mortality. And I came away from that experience having known that something was not right and out of alignment with my values in the company that I was working for, but not not having been able to see it clearly enough. And it took that kind of that, you know, big experience, life experience for me to kind of go, oh, yeah, this is really not aligned. Um, so sometimes it's it's hard even for us to see how we're we're operating in alignment or not with our values. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by the values piece, Ty. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like I think it's it's funny as a coach and and when we are in that process of completing career counselling, it's funny when you do a values exercise with someone and you grab their values, roll them around, and then you throw them back at them and mm. it's funny that they go oh yeah like you know when i went traveling that time it was because i one of my main values is adventure or maybe it's mm. freedom and it's it's mm. interesting getting a different person's perspective and i think that's the beauty of of coaching in general yeah one other thing i find really fascinating about values and i've been kind of really exploring this recently is um how our values and our strengths as well can also bring us undone So, you know, you might have a value for freedom and so, you know, you might be, I I just had a situation recently where someone was like working towards a a vision for freedom in the future um, of, you know, 
they'd earned enough money and they could retire and they could, you know, travel lots and stuff. But what was happening right now is that their value for freedom was actually preventing them for, from making the long-term investments that were going to help them get there. Yep. So um, there can be all these contradictions with our values. And I think being able to see the, the shadow side of our values is, is really important. Like, for example, one of a value that's um, like linked to the kind of real me, real you is for me is about kind of showing up in your unique self. And, and I realized a, a number of years ago that I had this kind of, I was placing that value of uniqueness um, quite highly in in my life, but what it meant was that it was actually stopping me from moving forward with certain things because I didn't want to do something if it wasn't different or unique. And we all know that you know there's no no true unique things in this world. Like you know Shakespeare stole Shakespeare off someone else, and someone stole Shakespeare off Shakespeare. And <laughs> so um, yeah, I think being aware of the shadow side of our values and how they can bring us undone is just as important as understanding the the goodness and the beauty in our values as well. I love the shadow like, side. Just blown my mind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like ties clap. Stop, stop living in the shadows. Oh man, it's amazing. Never thought of it like that. I absolutely yeah. love that. The shadows mm. of your values. That is awesome. Yeah. I love yeah. that you've only been thinking about it recently too. I feel like we're getting. The best of you, right? Yeah. Now, well, I think I think it's um I've been thinking about it for a while, but it's come up quite a bit recently. Like, like another one for me is like like learning and growth is really deep seated into my values, and that's another thing that's brought me undone because I just always want to be learning new things, and that can mean that I kind of spread myself really thin and end up going in all kinds of different directions and not focusing. And focus is one of the things that I I struggle with sometimes yeah. and discipline. So by adding all this new learning and it doesn't help with my focus and my discipline. Yeah. So yeah. But this is what it's all about, right? This is what coaching is about. This is what for me, human potential coaching is about. It's about understanding all those aspects of ourselves so that we can show up better each day, each time. Yeah. I've always been a big believer in your biggest strength or your greatest strength is always going to be your Achilles heel. Mm. I read that quote somewhere and I've always thought about it because, yeah, it's similar to the values. Like whatever your biggest strength is, it is good to harness it and always use it. But then it can also bring you down. But I've never thought of it in the regards to the shadow values. That's really struck mm. a chord for me. Cool. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be going home tonight and like looking at the shadow side of all your values. Yeah. Mm. The other thing I wanted to ask Kate as well is um, you're an experiential learning designer. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you design learning experiences for people from that experiential perspective? Yeah, good question. Um, so I, I always start with like, what are we trying to achieve here? Like, what what is the outcome that we're hoping for? So, like for example, I, I was doing a leadership program. I'm still doing a leadership program um, at the moment, and it was all about creating inspiring and impactful leaders at a at a particular organisation. And then that organisation also had a number of challenges with their leaders. So one of their challenges was that um, leaders weren't wanting to go to the kind of the top level of leadership in the company. And so they needed to inspire those leaders to want to do that. So on one hand, it was them inspiring others and it was also them being inspired. So, you know, I start with that point of, okay, well, that's, that's what we need to do. So then it became, okay, well, what can we do that's going to help them get inspired to lead? Um, 
you know, and in that case, it was kind of doing things that were connecting them to their individual purpose and their individual goals in life and then finding a way to connect that to what the firm was doing. So it's kind of, um, you know, then creating activities and things that get people, I think, out of just talking mode and into kind of playing with stuff and doing stuff. And I'm, I use a lot of my um, experience design and human-centered design skill set in the learning experiences I, I build. So it's using lots of post-its and, um, you know, uh, activities where we, yeah, you've you got to get your hands dirty a bit. Um, and, then, and then also um, reflection is a big one for me. And I think, I think building reflection into learning experiences is, is something that's really important for making sure they stick. Um, I, I organise a conference um, which is all about how we can kind of create a more intentional work-life experience called Work Life X. Um, sadly postponed with corona at the moment but that's mm. all right it'll be even more needed when this is all over so um yeah and so with that it was things like finding ways to to bring people to, together around a common theme so we did things like um people contributing ideas to a joint manifesto um we had reflection sessions at the end of kind of breaks in the conference to make sure that people had time to digest what they were learning because i think that's one of the big things with learning experiences we're often trying to get through content and we're trying to get through activities and there's not often the time to take stock on what what we've learned about ourselves and discovered so i think building that in is also really important and giving people the downtime to do that um creating different levels in the experiences so things where we're up and we're together and we're active and then things where we're down and we're quiet and we're we're introspective as well mm. yeah ty and i sort of learnt that sort of theory in outdoor education because ty and i met at uni doing mm. outdoor ed and we used to do a program and you'd obviously start with a warm-up then an ice breaker then you go into the peak activity then drop down into a reflection and reflection's a really big one for us. I actually think in education at all levels, re reflection is probably the most underutilised tool. Totally. Mm. That's a really good I point. have a great friend. Um, his name's Cheyenne Barr. You should totally get him on the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, and definitely. He's a, he's a, um, uh, he, he works in, in learning at um, one of the universities in Canberra. He's a something or other professor there. And um, he's one of his big areas of um and I think his PhD is actually on this is reflective practice um, and helping teachers and um, students with reflective practice so that they can, they can become better learners. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's really underutilized. Um, and I think it's underutilized in kind of schools and unis, but I think it's also really underutilized just for us as individuals. Um, taking time to take stock and, and look back, like even, even in terms of things like, you know, goal setting and news resolutions, like how often do you do, you do your news resolutions and you're looking forward at the next year going, all right, great, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, but not so much looking back and going, okay, well, what worked, what didn't work? Um, mm. Where was I successful? Where can I give myself a pat on the back? What do I need to work on? Uh, and I think we get so much out of that reflection. Um, I've got a, a thing that I've been working on or I was working on earlier in the year around like reflection for the year ahead. And I think um, if when we reflect, we're, we're so much better equipped to take the next steps forward. Yeah. Kate, I wanted to ask you, um, 
from this COVID-19 situation, I've noticed myself personally that I'm, I'm having a lot more time to do just organic natural reflection. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what the benefits are going to be yet, but I feel like society and people might actually get a lot of benefit out of this period. Uh, yeah, totally agree. Absolutely. Um, I was just talking about this today, the other day with someone um, that I feel like what this is doing for us is it's, for so many of us, it's stripped away um, roles, labels, uh, ways that we usually see ourselves, ways that we usually interact with others. And I, th- I think when that happens, we're, we're stripped back to a more essential version of who we are. Um, in, in the Vedic tradition, we talk about um, our sense of being. And, you know, I, I like to think of that as like who we are when we don't have the labels, the roles, the, mm. um, the things that, people put on us the things that we put on ourselves all of that's gone and we're just kind of down at that that bare mm-hmm. self um and i think it's incredibly powerful to connect to that um, because usually when we do connect with that we realize that we're okay mm. and we don't need anything um mm. to, to be all right in the world and yeah. and i think meditators or particularly long-term meditators have that and get that some lucky people have it and get it anyway um but not everybody does and i think you know what what this is forcing us to all do is to slow down and to realize that well we're not our job well if we can't go and hang out with our mates we are okay if we can't um if we're not getting paid to do the thing that we're most commonly paid to do and that we've been kind of building our identity around like for me that's a big one like I've been my own business owner for you know seven or eight years and this is the first time that in all honesty the money really is kind of drying up with the work that I do because a lot of it's based in person with the meditation and you know coaching right now it's not not an essential service for a lot of people who are struggling so I mean and, and being able to go, oh, actually, when, when this is not there, when I'm not getting the, the thrill or the, um, the whatever from this purposeful work, and, you know, we put so much pressure on having purpose and doing work with purpose, which is incredibly important, but if you take it away, are you still okay? Are you still okay at your core? And um, I think a lot of people, yeah, we're realising we are mm. um, and that we're not all that other stuff where we're something much more essential and much more pure than that. I don't know if pure is the right word, but like simple than that. Mm, in, simple, and simple yeah. in a good way, mm. not in a not in a um, basic way kind of thing. Mm. How have you found yourself go back to your core and be okay through this period? Yeah, it was almost instantaneous for me. Um, I, <laughs> I feel really bad, but I kind of got really excited about the idea of just being in my own company. Um, for a lot of the time and look I I work like that a lot of the time anyway like I do work from a co-working space but I have worked for myself for a long time and spend quite a bit of time at home but yeah just um I don't know it just it felt like pretty normal for me um but it was a really great uh for me it was a really great realization of of how much all the work I've done on myself over the years um has has paid off because i i didn't feel fear i i didn't feel stressed i didn't feel like i was going to lose anything or miss out on anything i just felt 
I actually felt kind of almost excited about what it might bring and what it could teach me. Um, and it made me realize that the fulfillment that I've built up over however many years, it, it is deep and it's, it's grounded and it's centered and it's not about the stuff, which is, is always kind of has always been the goal for me. It's not about money. It's not about, um, I don't know, material things, material or friends or, or, or even travel, like travel is a huge part of my life. I love travel, but yeah, it's gone. And I'm like, Oh, actually I'm fine. And I can Mm. make fun wherever I am. So yeah. You really are forced to find joy in the simple things, aren't you? Yeah, totally. I've been gardening. Yeah. You know, I've, been, I've, I've been gardening. I'm propagating indoor plants. I'm watering the garden every day. I'm, I've gone crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. But it's good. I'm finding simple joy in it. Yeah. It's, that's such a good point. Like I was talking to my brother and because um, his main hobby is sport. Like, And so he loves watching sport, AFL, yeah. NBA. And now that's all taken away. He's like... I need another hobby. I need something else that will. Inc- and so he's like gone bananas in cooking. Like he's just gone head first yeah, right. into the kitchen. So I think like anything, like any challenge that presents itself can bring about a potential opportunity and, and yeah. positivity. Yeah. Oh God, the amount of people I, I go for a regular walk down to my local parklands and I've been doing that quite regularly for quite a while now, um, well before all of this happened. And it's amazing to see how it's gone from like, you've run into one or two people down there and now it's like, it's absolutely buzzing. There are people everywhere because now it's obviously getting outside and walking or going to a park or something is one of the few things that you can do. And it's like, I I feel like there's some episode of The Simpsons where they've all been inside watching TV <laughs> or something and they come out and it's like, oh my God, the, the sun's out and they're, they're blinking their eyes. And I yeah. kind of feel like that's what everyone's doing right now. It's like they've been so, it's weird that like we're actually kind of in a sense, we're being told that we're more isolated and we're more cooped up and we're more in front of screens. But I actually feel like because we're doing that more as part of our daily work, because that's how the only way people can work now is that outside of that, everyone's like, right, how do I get away from Mm. the screen? How do I actually connect with people properly? Mm. And so it's, it's created this kind of um, this bounce back from all of that. And people are like opening their eyes up to the world for the first, for the first time in a long time. Mm. Yeah. Even a real life example of that, like at my work, we've, we always have a pretty tight knit team, but in the last, few weeks when we knew we were all going to have to work from home straight away everyone's main priority became like team building and team connection so Mm. we have like a spotify spotify joint playlist that we all collaborate on add songs and we catch up once every couple of weeks talk about it for 10 minutes then we have like Mm. tea at two everyone's getting involved in the meetings and like really attentive and people are emailing me like hey how you going dan which people always usually talk to you but it seems like people are making a real effort mm. to connect and it's kind of rolling on yeah yeah i um i called one of my kind of my best mates from high school the other day and you know we're still mates and we see each other like i don't know once in a blue moon but like when we catch up we really connect but i can't remember the last time i called her and had a chat and we had a really good chat and it was really lovely and i was like huh look this like this really just does bring people together in a lot of ways mm. Mm. for sure Kate, just just back on the reflection on what's some of the 
teachings that you try and instill in your clients in terms of helping them reflect and go through that process of self-discovery and and self-awareness? Yeah. I mean, I suppose I do a lot of that in the coaching. Um, And for me, that's always been about asking. It's it's about asking good questions and asking Mm. deep questions. And I think it's actually sometimes easier to have an aha when somebody else is asking the questions because we do get really wrapped in up in our own stuff um, and our own thoughts um, and our own thought patterns as well. Um, Mm. So I think it can actually be really helpful to have an external um, an external source to to help you reflect. So whether that be kind of finding some good reflection prompts online or working with a coach or even just getting a friend to kind of ask you some um, some big questions can be really good. But like I think if you are doing something on your own, um, there's there's a great um, design tool actually it was originally a design tool called the five whys which was created i think it was by toyota originally and they it was used in the manufacturing process to try and understand like why something was going wrong so there's like oh well there's a problem here why is that occurring oh well because this is happening and why is that occurring oh well because mm. this is happening and i think that can be a great exercise for anyone to do um you know if, if you're trying to reflect on something doing kind of the five whys on yourself to to get to the the heart of something so let's take an example um why am i feeling glum today let's say well you know i'm feeling glum because i'm not getting enough social connection well why aren't i getting enough social connection well because i didn't pick up the phone and call someone today why didn't i pick up the phone and call someone today because i was slobbing around and i was you know i got into one of those moods where i didn't have a shower and i didn't you know so like Mm. and you can start to see the root like and sometimes it might be well the root cause was that you know i picked up my phone first thing this morning and that sent everything in the wrong direction yeah that's probably a really terrible example but (laughs) <laughs> but but just trying to kind of take yourself through those layers and that can be it for kind of surface level stuff but it can also be for for really deep stuff as well so that can be a handy one that you can use in all kinds of scenarios i think it's a really good point the layers is is key because i feel a lot of people will just either go through the first layer or the second layer and they won't actually mm. they'll stop themselves from going deeper than that and i think that's really when the true power of reflection can take hold where you can kind of skim right through the the surface stuff and go, well, hang on a second. Yeah. The reason why all of this occurred was because I looked at my phone first thing in the morning. So Mm. I think that's the real power in, in reflection when, yeah, when it, when it comes down to it. Yeah. um, And look, it's one of those things that I think you can, you can get good at self-reflective practices by, by practicing. Like you can use like listening to good people, reading good books. Like there, there can be a lot of inspiration in, in those kinds of things. Like, you know, particularly, you know, spiritual masters and um, you know, even just like authors like Elizabeth Gilbert is fabulous in terms of, I think prompting reflection about, you know, creativity or whatever it might be. So there's, there's so many sources of inspiration for that. But I think even like if somebody wants to start to build a ref- reflective practice, it's just kind of, okay, well, starting with, well, what, what do I want to reflect on? What's important to me right now? What am I trying to achieve? And then just taking some time every day to, to ask yourself some questions um, or even 
just like daily pages is another good one. I've never actually been a journaler. People always say to me, oh, you've got to be a journaler. But I'm like, mm, not so much. Um, but journaling can be a great way, just seeing what comes out. And But I think the difference between journaling, it's just like pouring out. But then it's actually, I think the reflective time is actually then go, going back to what you've journaled on and going, okay, what's in here and what was important and how can I dig into that a little deeper? That's a really good point. We had a, a guest on called Chris and he um, was involved in this project called the hundred coffees project and or hundred coffees movement. And it, that's a really good point because he journaled, but he said the real power in the journaling was actually when he reflected on it a mm. week later and was like, well, mm. why did I make that decision? Why did I write that down? What conversation did I have that led me to feel that way? And I think that's, I think you're right. That's the real power of it. There's actually another great design tool, which, um, and when I was a designer, like I would always tell people like design is about getting down through those layers and that the exercise that um, I would do with when I was kind of teaching this to, to companies and things was like, you take a, a physical object, like I've got my glasses in my hand right now and you say, okay, well, what, what is the function of these glasses? Like, no, what's, what's the physical form of these glasses? Like describe them. Well, they're, you know, they're brown tortoiseshell, they're hard, they're plastic, they're whatever. And then what's the function? That's the next layer down. So, you know, they help me see. They maybe provide a, a fashion accessory or something like that. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and then what's the significance of those glasses in the, the scheme of your life? Well, it, it means that I can actually... Um, read and do things properly and um, you know engage in learning activities and why is that important to you because learning mm. is a deep core value of mine and if I couldn't learn I wouldn't be who I was and you can see how we've gone from describing a pair of glasses mm. to the value that relates to these and you can do an exercise like that with something that's more important to someone rather than just a pair of glasses but um, it's, it's just a great example of how like we've got the physical and the functional side of things, but then below all of that, we've got the real deeper meaning. Mm. I love that, Kate. Wow. Take credit for it. It's, uh, <laughs> nah, it's from a book you've called You've blown my mind tonight. I've got a lot, to, I've got a lot of thinking to do tomorrow. <laughs> what about you, Ty? Yeah. I've got a lot of reflection to do myself, actually. It's such good, um, to have you like sharing this type of live examples for our listeners. Cause I think something that, you know, Dan and I talk about a lot on our show is reflection, but like providing actual walkthrough examples like that is really valuable. So thanks so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And Kate, you mentioned Elizabeth Gilbert and I'm a uh, self-confess. I'm a big fan of eat, love, pray. Yeah. Um, do you have any other books that have changed your life that you'd recommend to listeners? Well, Big Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, I think is that's probably one of my all-time favourite books. Um, I I love that book because it's it's kind of non-fiction, but it's written in such a beautiful kind of fictional way because she obviously has written fiction as well. That it's it's super engaging, but also just her take on creativity um, and creativity more broadly than just like you know painting or. I think some people think of creativity that way, but um, just living a creative life, I think is that that's been a, a big inspiration for me, that book. Um, what else? Um, 
the book Conscious Business by Fred Kaufman. Um, that's been a really, I suppose, seminal book in my journey. Uh, nice one. Ty's just picked <laughs> Ty's that up just and shown it to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, I actually had the pleasure of meeting Fred and hanging out with him in Budapest. This oh. is me being like, oh, I hung out with Fred Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> was that when you were really unique? I was, um, yeah, that was, he was being employed by one of my corporate clients as well. And I totally fangirled over uh. a day with him and his lovely partner. Um, but yeah, that he's really amazing. And I think, I mean, even if you don't run a business, that book is, I think, so important about shining the light on how we show up as a human. And one of the things that always got me in that book was the idea of, um, responsibility and responsibility being our ability to respond uh, and he talks a lot about kind of how we respond and I it, it's interesting but one of the things that stuck with me most in that book was he he goes through this section where he talks about kind of um, the excuses that we give for for the things that we might do like running late or oh sorry I'm late the traffic was blah 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 rather than sorry I'm late I didn't give myself enough time to get here um, and ever since reading that, I've really tried to take that on and take full responsibility for my actions, um, in everything that I do and far out. It's a, it's a practice to, mm. to do that. I think I'm getting much better at it, but, um, yeah, that's, that's a really awesome book. Oh, just one that's top of mind at the moment. Cause I've read it, reread it again recently is why we sleep. Um, I've got so, that on my bedside table, but I've never read it. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I think that's that's kind of hilarious that you've got a book about sleeping next to your bedside table and you haven't read it. I know. I, know. I just sit up scrolling. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually listened to that book for, um, when I was travelling around uh, Europe and Morocco last year, um, and that really blew my mind because you know, as someone who works with people around human potential, sleep and getting enough sleep is so key to so many aspects of our our health our performance our clarity our emotional state um so that's yeah that's a really really interesting one and will if you haven't read it i am almost certain will completely um change your relationship to how you think about sleep um, you know, it's really interesting. The reason I haven't read it is because it's actually quite thick. And I'm like, is, this is yeah. about sleep. Why is it 300 pages? And I'm like, yeah. oh, I can't commit to this right now. Yeah. <laughs> but now that you've said that, I'm actually going to pick it up. Yeah. Listen to the audio book's a good one with that one. Um, Before you go to sleep or to, to put you to sleep or to... <laughs> to... <laughs> I listen to it on a lot of buses driving through Morocco. Yeah, cool. So, good one. I mean, Man Search for Meaning. Is a good mm, one. Mm, really school, good book. Old school. Um, yeah. And oh, Harry Potter. Can't go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't how to read. I do think that's really important though. Like I, I'm a massive kind of um, personal development, um, you know, junkie. Love reading books like that. Love reading about productivity and business. And I can just get totally sucked into all of that. But I think it's good to have a good fiction book on the go. Um, mm. as well I need to practice what I preach there but that's why I love Harry Potter because it is so just takes you into another world into a magical place and I think we need that um, relief and it helps us with our creativity too yeah it's good to have a break from yourself sometimes isn't it mm. yeah yeah man's search for meaning that's probably a really good book for listeners to um, read at the moment 
Mm. With everything going on with COVID-19, it really put things into perspective. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, that was such a, I don't know, an epic kind of book in terms of what it means to be human and how, how we can live well, even in circumstances that are really dire. So, um, yeah, that's pretty, pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. One last one from me, Kate. We're obviously um, talking, as we sit here, in COVID-19 in 2020. Mm. Um, if someone's at home and they're listening and they're thinking, you know what, tomorrow I want to start being more mindful Mm. or have more self-awareness and obviously they might be living in a share house or living with their family so it's not exactly the most easiest environment to start Mm. practicing mindfulness and meditation do you have some practical tips for listeners Mm. yeah that's a good one um super easy practical one i would say get on insight timer you know i i always recommend obviously learning from an actual person, physical teacher, if you can. That's obviously really hard right now. Um, But Insight Timer has some really amazing teachers on there, lots of great resources. Um, And I also, alongside that, I kind of say find, if if you're trying to develop a a really simple meditation practice, which is separate from mindfulness, and I'll talk about that in Mm. a second, But in terms of a meditation practice, try and find something where the teacher teaches you how to do something and then you can take it and do it yourself. Um, I'm I'm always, I'm a big believer in self-sufficient meditation practice as opposed to things where you always have to be guided by someone because then you've always got to have that person in front of you or you've always got to have an app or a, you know, a phone with you. And I think it's better if you can just have something where it's just you. And is your same perspective, sorry to cut you off. Is your perspective on that the same for the environment? Because I've noticed with my own practice, I'm getting better at doing meditation anywhere. Whereas at the start, I was really like prissy about where I had to do it. Yeah. You should be able to do it anywhere. You should be able to do it with kids hanging off you. You should be able to do it wherever. Um, and that takes time and practice, um, but it's also not being precious about it and not being like, no, I've got to have my room and I've got to have the door closed and I've got to have my special cushion and I've got to have all the things perfect. Um, the, the better you can get at meditating anywhere, the, the better it's going to be for you long term because you don't... We, we as humans, we like to put... Uh, things in the way of us doing the things that are going to make us better and, you know, things that are uh, threatening the ego and meditation is one of those things. And our ego goes, oh, gosh, you're going to expand and you're going to become this bigger, greater human and that's scary and I can't deal with that, so please don't do that. That's not safe. But we we kind of know that's not true, but our ego doesn't know that's not true. Mm. And when I talk about ego, I talk about kind of the, the part of us that is is trying to keep us safe. Um, in a lot of ways, it's just that the ego has kind of run a bit of a muck, and it's it's a little bit um, overbearing in for most of us. Um, so yeah, so trying to, but going back to the meditation, trying to find that uh, a simple self sufficient practice. It could be following your breath. It could be just closing down your eyes and and trying to just focus on the darkness. You know, it could be something that's that simple. Um, and then um, from a mindfulness perspective. Um, there's so many different ways you can practice mindfulness. Um, one of my favorite ones, and it's, it's so super simple and you don't need much time. It's just at certain points during the day, um, take, take some moments to just try and be in the present. So, 
and I, I like to give myself a little signal for this or like pick something that's going to be my signal for this. And for me, it's like when the sun shines through a tree or when I see the light shining through something and it kind of, you know, takes, takes my eye and I'm like, you know, you know, when you see a beautiful bit of sunshine kind of coming through some leaves or something, that's just kind of my signal to do it. I go, okay, this is a moment for me to just be in the moment and just try and let go of the thoughts, let go of thinking about what you're going to do next or what you've just done or who you're going to call or Ghostbusters. Sorry. <laughs> um, Took the words out of whatever my mouth. Uh, and just and just take a moment and kind of try and stay in that present moment for as long as you can. It might be five seconds, it might be ten seconds, it might be thirty seconds. And you know, if you're walking, just keep trying to walk, being in the present. Um, and oh God, it sounds like such a simple thing, but it's also so hard. But it's it's also so magical when you do it because I think so much of the anxiety um, and the stress that we cause ourselves is either. You know, stress often tends to be worrying about things that have happened and anxiety tends to be worrying about things that are going to happen. That's kind of oversimplifying it. But, um, but when we can be in the present, for most of us, when we are right here, right now, we can say, actually, in this exact moment right now, I am great. I'm good. There's nothing that is hurting me here and now. And so that, that moment of coming into presence just for a second can, can be really, really powerful. Um, obviously you can do that, um, with activities like, you know, the, the classic ones are like when you're washing the dishes, just feel the soap on your hands. Um, you know, be really aware of, of all the little things that are happening and, and really tune into those. Um, same you can do with sounds. You can just, if like, if you're in a really noisy household and you're trying to do something that's mindful, like sit in the noisy household and just tune in to all the noises and just be with each single noise and really explore those noises in your mind with your eyes closed or, or with your eyes open. Um, just, yeah, taking yourself out of your head and into the present moment. That's kind of what mindfulness is, is really all about. That's amazing. I live in a noisy house at the moment, so that's yeah. good, good advice for me. Mm, yeah. And I think when we, when we tune into noise, and same as like uncomfortable feelings, um, whether it be a physical sensation or a um, or a, an emotional sensation of feeling, um, when we really tune into a feeling rather than trying to um, push it away, it, it actually often dissipates. Not always with physical pain, but you know, emotional stuff. When a when a really strong feeling comes up in us, I think particularly with anxiety, this is a is a good one. It's like a lot of people try and push the anxiety or push the uncomfortable feeling down, which just kind of we all know how well that works, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, but at, like an opposite thing you can do is actually try and feel into the feeling. And when we feel into the feeling, we realise that it's usually just an uncomfortable body sensation. And once we start really feeling it, it often just kind of dissipates, not all the time. But, um, mm. yeah, so, again, that's that, that presence, that mindfulness, that being with something rather than trying to ignore something or rather than distracting yourself with something else. I really like that tip, Kate. That's really nice because I think a lot of people, yeah, avoid those those uncomfortable feelings. And so actually leaning into mm -hmm. it is probably the opposite of what we have done all along, but leaning into it can probably provide some further clarity and some relief. I heard a really great um, little stat or quote or whatever it is. I, I don't know if it's true, so don't quote me on this. I've been trying to actually find... You're on a podcast, that. Kate. It's going to it's go long. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, just do your research. But I heard this thing about 
when we actually when we experience a feeling um, or a, or an emotion swell up in us that 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 the actual kind of chemical reaction that's going on with that lasts for about ninety seconds, and then after that it's kind of it's more us kind of having attached to or continued mentally that feeling mm. rather than the actual physical mm. kind of chemical part of that feeling. So, um, yeah, that's, I thought that was a really interesting one. Yeah. That's super cool. Fascinating. Yeah. Cause we're getting yeah. deep for a Wednesday night now, aren't oh, we? Oh, we it's are good. getting yeah. deep, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> Anything from you, Ty? For listeners at home, we can see Ty on the webinar. He's thinking, he's got his deep thinking face on. <laughs> I'm just trying to pick up my brain off the off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> You're processing. Mm, I think it, I think that's just for me personally. That's a huge one. Just leaning into the fear or leaning into the emotion because I I know for me personally, I've recently gone through some high level uh, anxious moments, and I think it's when if I'm going, oh, avoid, 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 or or compress, like breathe, practice my meditation, compress, but not actually like leaning into it. I think that's a diff- completely different state for me personally. Mm. So that's a really important takeaway. So thank you so much, Kate. Welcome. Tell mm. me how it goes next time you give it a try. Yeah, <laughs> will do. Will do. Um, and- Kate, did you break? I'm in a ball. <laughs> <laughs> Look, where, when did she mention I'm going to rewind that podcast? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kate, how can our listeners um, get in contact with you? So how can they um, tune into perhaps some of your courses when COVID-19 is all over? Um, yep. How can they yeah, connect with you? Yeah, sure. So um, best place to find me is um, probably my website, www.leadingbeings.com. I have to say it like that because people think I'm saying leading beans. So beings, B-E-I-N-G-S.com. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at leadingbeings. Um, that's probably where I hang out most on social. You can also find me um, on LinkedIn, Kate McCready. Um, and yeah, th- those are probably the main ones. Um, you can also check out WorkWiseX conference, but that's on hold for the moment. So yeah, those are my main ones. Um, when may that be, Kate? The WorkLifeX conference? Does oh, that look like a fascinating? Um, gosh, who knows? Like with with all this COVID business, it, I I have no idea. Does anyone know yeah. how long this is going to go for? <laughs> Until no, we, we can don't. We gather don't. in groups of 100 again. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, my guess is it will probably be late this year, if not early next year, seeing yeah. how things are going. But then I was watching something yesterday and some medical expert guy said maybe two years. So who knows? Wow. It's scary, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Let's lie to ourselves and just hope not. Mm. Yeah. Or just yeah. Lean, lean into our fear. <laughs> yeah, lean <laughs> Lean into the oh, fear, yeah, surely. You've, you've coached Ty really well, even so. <laughs> it was like watching a, or listening to a coaching conversation. It's amazing to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the meditation, um, as I said, Vedic meditation is uh, always taught in person, so that will um, be on hold until the foreseeable future. But um, I will be bringing out a building a meditation practice online course, which will just be a, a short kind of online thing which will help people with a really basic way to kind of start building a meditation practice given that um, the crazy times that we're in and and we'll be a nice feeder into to Vedic if they then want to come and learn so mm. yeah if anyone's interested in that it's in the works so yeah just get in touch and I can um, put you on the list for when it happens although awesome. by the time this goes live Kate. 
<laughs> oh, fabulous. So let, let me know when it's out, the online I course. will, I will. Hopefully by the time this is live, it'll, it will be live. So well, that's good. If I get my act together because <laughs> I don't have enough time right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for um, coming on the podcast tonight. It's been really insightful listening to your wisdom and your takeaways and gleaning so much from your experience. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Kate. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Arrive and Thrive podcast, please let us know by sharing it with a connection and leaving a review. We hope that through this podcast, even more people can design a career and life that they love and are proud of. See you soon.